It really is good to be uh, worshiping with you today. Um, we had, on, on Friday night, we had an amazing night at our uh, taco and trivia night that benefited our student ministries. Um, in case anybody was wondering, my team, e, e equals MC Hammer, like we won. And yeah, th- that was not nearly as enthusiastic as I was hoping I, I was going to hear, especially because like every other team seemed like they were ganging up on us, and, but we emerged victorious. It was, it was sweet. And um, it, it was expensive, but, that, but that's okay because the good news is um, on Friday night, we raised over $1,800 for, um, for, our, for our students going on, their, uh, going on their retreats and their trips this summer. And so I just want to thank everybody that has just um, been a part of encouraging and, and um, supporting our student ministries um, for Kyle and the entire team that put together the trivia night. Can we just give them a hand as well? They just did a great, great job. I want to thank you guys. And uh, just, just what a blessing it is to be a part of a church that, that values and invests in our next generation. So very, very cool excited about that. And I also just want to wish uh, an amazing Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room as well. Um, and I, and I, I understand, I know that sometimes holidays like Mother's Day and Father's Day can be a little bit difficult for some at times. Um, some have uh, some difficult experiences with, with their own mothers that make celebrating this day difficult, or there's also some that, that are desiring to be a mom, and for one reason or another, that has been um, a struggle that there have been barriers to that, and and I just want you to know, if that's you, that you are seen, you're valued, you're loved, and um, and you aren't meant to be excluded from this day whatsoever. In fact, that's why we always say around here, if if you are a mom, have a mom, or know a mom, you are welcome to to celebrate uh, with us today. I hope you guys were able to grab just some coffee or lemonade, something on your way in today too. Um, but I also just want you to know that not only do we see you and value you, but Jesus does as well. And I, and I just want to just, uh, I want you to know that he hears and he knows, excuse me, the desire of your hearts. And, um, but it really is a, an honor for you to come and spend part of your weekend with us, especially on Mother's Day today. And um, for all of you moms and grandmas in the room, we just do want to take a moment just to honor and thank you um, for all the thankless work that, that you do on a, on a daily basis. Being a, being a mom is a, is a high calling. It's undoubtedly the most difficult job that's out there. Amen? That, I, I was, come on, I was teeing you up there. Like, I was, I, I was trying to, like, help you earn some brownie points with, uh, with your mom or with your wife right there, guys. It is undoubtedly the most difficult job that is out there. There we are. All right. And, and it's one, it's a job that doesn't just end when your kids are grown either. Like, it, it is a, an ongoing process, and so you are, you are amazing. And just as a church family, we just esteem the sacrifice that you do and everything that you pour into our next generation. We just want to thank you for that. So um, we're going to get into our message. Normally, uh, if, if you know us, um, you know, we, we usually kind of teach in series where we take, like, a, a larger topic, and we kind of divide it up over a couple of weeks, and, um, and we're going to be getting... Uh, back to 
back to that um, in just a bit. But there's also times where we do just like a, a standalone message, just uh, that, just kind of like a, a one-off um, that's not attached to a larger series. And today's going to be one of those Sundays. And today's the topic that I've had um, on my heart that I feel like God has put on my heart for a little while now. And um, and as we were ending, last week we ended our Deconstructing Faith series, and with today being Mother's Day, I just felt that it was an appropriate Sunday for us just to kind of talk about this. And as a pastor, one of the, one of the metaphors that Scripture uses to describe like just my role as, as a pastor is, is referring to pastors as, as a shepherd, you know, and as, as a shepherd is, is charged with, with knowing and caring for the sheep um, that are within their flock to, to know and understand what the needs are. In fact, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23 says, to be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. And, and so the writer of Proverbs here is, is actually instructing the shepherd to, to be observant, to be paying attention, to know all right, what's going on in, in the life and, uh, of, of the community of, of your flock. And, and so I want you to know, like, I, I pray for you guys every single day. I, I pray for the needs that I know about. I pray for the needs that, that I don't know, but that God does. And, and there's times where, when I'm praying for our church family that God just kind of like drops a, a thought or an idea into, into my spirit. And to, so today's message kind of comes out of one of those moments. And, and so this is, this is not in any way meant to be a, a correction, not at all, but actually more just of an encouragement as we just remember God's heart. And so, so allow me to just kind of start with a, a foundational truth today that for us to hold on to as we explore the idea of gratitude. Gratitude. And, and, and as I share this today, I'm, I'm talking as one who often struggles with having a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude. And so I want, where I want to begin today is this idea that gratitude is the door to God's presence. Gratitude is the door to God's presence. Psalm 100 verse 4 says that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Thanksgiving is the way that, that we enter into the, the presence of, of God. It's how we kind of enter into his, into his house where he resides, that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And, and we all know this, like you, you can have a conversation. It, no, let me say it like this. It's way easier to have a conversation with somebody when you're both in the same space, if you're both in the same house at the same time, as opposed to some one person being inside the house and another person being outside the house. You know, you might have to yell at the top of your lungs for somebody who's outside to hear. You might have to strain in order to hear what is being said. Maybe you'll kind of catch a glimpse of, of the person you're trying to talk to through the window. And often I feel like for myself and, and for many believers, many Christians, that this is how we relate to God, where, where we just say, all right, man, I, I, I wish that I could hear God's voice a little bit better. I wish that I could sense God's presence a little stronger. And perhaps part of the problem is that we haven't actually entered into his gates, entered into his house with a heart of gratitude and with thanksgiving. And sometimes, like I, I know this very much for, for myself, speaking from experience, sometimes that, that when we first come to God, the very first thing we do is we yell for help. Like we just feel so overwhelmed and we just holler out for help. But the writer of Proverbs here is, is reminding us that we enter into his gates with a heart of gratitude, with a heart of gratitude. 
with a heart of thanksgiving. And, and I, w- I would encourage all of us that when we pray, that we would begin with that heart of gratitude and that heart of thanksgiving. That when we begin our day, that we would do so. Like before our feet even hit the floor, that we would begin our day with a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. Is, God, thank you, Lord, just for waking me today. God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you, God, just for the, the gift of, of rest that I received last night. That is how we enter into God's presence, which actually leads us to the, the second truth I want us to talk about today. And this, it's the idea that gratitude brings freedom. Gratitude brings freedom. It brings an element of freedom in our lives, spiritual freedom, relational freedom, emotional freedom. It, it can even bring to a degree a, 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 a part of physical freedom as well. And, and the Bible speaks of this repeatedly, often. The Bible talks about this, that, that, that gratitude and thanksgiving can actually provide us with freedom. And, and, and one of the stories that I kind of want to just briefly talk about is the, the story of Jonah, that he's got his very, you know, Jonah the prophet, he's got his own book in the Old Testament. And, and Jonah, he, he was tasked by God. God said, all right, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, which is the, the modern day city of Mosul in, in Iraq. Um, that, that if you, you can actually kind of see it, it's maybe about two thirds of the way over. I should have highlighted it for you, but it, but, but, but Nineveh's up there, and it, it is in the modern, like today is Mosul, Iraq. It was the, the ISIS stronghold, if you remember, just a, a couple years back. And, and, and so Jonah, he did not want to go. He had no desire to go. He didn't like the people. He didn't like the place. And so he booked it and went in the opposite direction. So to make a, a very long story short, Jonah finds himself on a boat. He gets thrown off the, the side of the boat. He gets swallowed by a great fish, and he's in the belly of this great fish for three days. And you think, all right, man, that, that's like a whole new level of like issues and problems. Like, like I recognize I've got, <laughs> I've got difficulties, and I've got problems, and I know you do too, but you find yourself in, in the belly of a fish. Like, I mean, we're, that's a whole new ball game right there. And, and and so Jonah, he, he's inside the, this fish and likely the most horrible circumstance that, that we can think about, that we can imagine. And, we, and let's read what Jonah does while inside the belly of this fish. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, this is Jonah speaking. He says, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord, that, that even in the belly of this fish, Jonah gives thanks to God, not because of his circumstances, but actually in the middle of his circumstances. And, and there's a big difference between the two, because like Jonah, he's down in the bottom of the sea inside this fish, and he chooses to give thanks, even in the middle of, of, a, of a terrible situation that he finds himself in. He chooses to give thanks. And if we look at the next verse, let's see what happens, that it says, so the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That our, that our thanksgiving, our gratitude, can bring freedom. It can bring deliverance. Now, that doesn't mean that just, all right, just because we have a heart of gratitude and a heart of thanksgiving, that God's going to automatically deliver us from whatever difficult situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. Like words of thanksgiving are not some magical incantation where if we just say the right words and we say them in the right way, well then, you know, God's just going to 
do what we want him to do. Things are just going to turn out for us. But, but I do believe that if we have that heart of, of gratitude and thanksgiving, not only, not only does it, it provides that, that freedom because it changes our own mindset as well. It changes the way that we're thinking about the situations that we find ourselves in. And, and sooner or later, that freedom will come. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. Or, or maybe even like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that they, they found themselves in, in this place where they said, all right, God's going to deliver us from this fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to choose to do what's right. Like having this idea, this mindset of, all right, my, my, my praise and my thanksgiving will provide that freedom, that freedom for me. The, the next kind of like point that kind of we go in with, with gratitude is this idea that gratitude is a daily choice. It's something that, that I have to choose to do. It's not something that, that just happens or that just occurs. Gratitude is, is a daily choice that we have to make. And thinking about this, I was thinking of, of Paul and Silas. That in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas, they, they find themselves in, in prison. Like they, they, were, they were going out and they were doing the very thing that Jesus had told them to do, to go and share that good news, to pray for, for other people, and, and to preach the gospel. And as a result of, of doing exactly what God had told them to do, they were beaten with rods, they were arrested, they were put not just in, in a jail, but they were put in the inner cell chained up with their, their feet put in stocks. And likely, they, they could have, they likely asked, had a lot of questions. I'm like, all right, Jesus, why is this happening to us? Like, all right, we, we were going about doing the thing you asked us to do, and this is the situation that we find ourselves in. And, and that very could have, very easily, like I, th- I try to put myself in their mindset, could have led to a heart of, of bitterness and disappointment and resentment, but instead they choose to do something completely different. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God. In, in the middle of this, of this terrible prison they find themselves in, in the middle of the night, they're praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners, they were listening. And suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And it's such a, it's such a beautiful and amazing picture that, that even though we can't control the circumstances, we can't always control the things that are happening to us. What we can control is our attitude in the middle of them. We can, we can control how we're going to respond in those moments and in those situations, that we may not have full control of the circumstance, but we do have full control of our attitude, of how we're going to respond to it. And, and Paul and Silas, they made a choice that even though we're suffering and even though our bodies hurt, even though we've been beaten unjustly, thrown in this prison, even though we don't understand this situation we find ourselves in, yet will we worship and yet will we give thanks we're going to continue and maintain that, that attitude of gratitude. And, and one of the things that I think is so beautiful about this story of Paul and Silas in prison, because not only did their, their heart of gratitude and worship and thanksgiving affect them, but it affected those around them as well. Not only did their chains come off and their prison door open, 
But the chains of the other prisoners, those that were around them, the doors of the other prisoners were thrown wide open too. Meaning that, that when we have that attitude of gratitude, not only does it affect us, but it affects those that are in our proximity, those that are around us. It has, our, our gratitude has the ability to affect our family, uh, the ability to affect our workplace, our school, the people around us. It has the ability to affect our neighborhood. And we've all been around people like that, haven't we? Like we've all been around people that just exude just joy and gratitude and thanksgiving. And, and they're so life-giving to be around. They're so encouraging to be around. That having a heart of gratitude not only brings us freedom, but it can also provide freedom for those around us. And I, I want to tell you about a friend of mine that I had in college. His name is Nate. Um, if you can actually put his uh, picture up on the screen for me. Nate, Nate's a good friend of mine. And um, he, when I was in college, I worked with other college students that had physical disabilities. And Nate, he has cerebral palsy. And, uh, and, and I've known Nate for, for a long time. And, and so like as, as a personal care worker for him, I had to help Nate get dressed in the morning. I had to help him eat, had to help him shower, to, to uh, clean up after himself, use the bathroom. Like, like Nate was dealt a really, really difficult hand in life where he was dependent on the care of others for most anything in, in his life. And one of the things that I love so much about Nate, though, and you can even see it in his face right here, he, he is one of those people that just exudes joy and gratitude. Like, he, he, I, I love talking with Nate. And, and you know, Nate, it, like, he, he was one of those people, Nate was... Uh, his speech, because of his cerebral palsy, he was often difficult to understand, but I loved hearing him pray. There was something so beautiful about hearing Nate pray, and, and just, he thanked God for every day that he got to experience, and, and so, like some of the students, because I worked with other students with disabilities too, and, and some of them, I'm, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but, but some of them just were just kind of ticked off at life feeling like they had gotten screwed over in, you know, in, in the game of life, and they were angry and bitter and frustrated. And, and I, Nate was just the, he, he's always been the exact opposite of that. And I asked him one time, I said, Nate, like, do you ever pray that God would heal you? Do you like, do you, do you ever pray and ask, all right, God, would, would you heal me so that I'm not in this wheelchair, that I, that I can, you know, speak and I can dress myself and, and all these things? And he said, no. And, and I, I tell you, like, I was just flabbergasted when, when Nate told me this. Like, a, a guy who literally could hardly care for himself at all, that given the opportunity, would not want to be healed. And, and he responded, his response to me is something that has stuck with me ever since I heard him say it. And he, and he said, all right, if, I, if me, having all the struggles and, every, and the difficulties of my life, that I can still love God and still be thankful to God, what excuse does anybody else have? And, and I tell you, it stabbed me in the heart when I heard him say that. Man, the, the number of times where I've complained and gotten frustrated and thought I, like, thought I had had been dealt a, a tough hand, and yet he was saying, all right, in spite of everything that I've, I've been through and had to experience and and, and that I continue to have to deal with. 
I wouldn't change that. Like, he, he's chosen to have that, that heart of, of gratitude. He's, he's not had an easy life, but it's something that's had to be a daily choice for Nate. And, and this kind of leads me to my last kind of like point, my last major thought about this idea of gratitude, that we, that we said gratitude is kind of the, the door into God's presence. Gratitude brings freedom. Gratitude is a daily choice. And this, this final truth that I want to communicate and talk about is that choosing gratitude often means letting go of something else. That when we choose gratitude, it means that we have to let go of something else. And, and that's because gratitude and, and grudges can't coexist. They, they can't occupy the same space at the same time. Like one will kick the other out, and so we have to make a choice. Which one are we going to hold on to? Which one are we going to hold on to, and which one are we going to keep? And so if we want to live a life of gratitude, there might be some things that we have to choose to let go of, and maybe it's bitterness towards parents or towards a, a teacher or some, a friend, somebody that's let us down. Maybe it's it's a, a, a coworker, and you feel like you were mistreated at, at your place of work, or, or maybe it's even disappointment with God that he didn't answer your prayer at, at a specific occasion. And, and, and I, I was kind of thinking a little bit about that over, especially like the last um, Deconstructing Faith series that we were talking about, about when God says no, when God says no. And, and when, when God says no to us, it, it, it always means that he's got something better in store further down the line. And, and I, it's further down the road. And I don't mean that to sound glib or just kind of like, all right, well, you just kind of deal with it or, or, or suck it up. But it's that, all right, God sees something that maybe we don't see. There's something further down the road that he has in store. And I, I think about like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where he was saying, all right, God, if there's any other way, can this cup pass from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. And, and because God said no at Gethsemane, we are here today because of that no. Like we can be saved, we can be forgiven, we, we are righteous and restored, and we're the sons and daughters of God because God said no in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so no is not always a bad thing. No sometimes means there's something better further down the road. But living and having a heart and life of, of gratitude often means we have to let go of something else. And maybe that's letting go of, of grudges and hurts and disappointments. And sometimes that's really difficult because, like, if we're all being honest in the room, sometimes we hold on to, we hold on to some of those things because it actually provides a level of enjoyment in a way where we can feel right, we can feel justified, we can feel vindicated because, all right, I've been wronged and so I'm going to hold on to this, this thing. You know, it was a comment or, or hurt or, or whatever it might be. We can actually, sometimes it feels, it actually feels good. In a sick way, it feels good to hold on to that because if I let go of it, it means I'm surrendering control. I'm having to give something up. But this idea of sometimes we need to let go of something now because there's something better on the other side. There's something better and more precious on the other side. And so I want to kind of begin closing our time together 
by sharing with you a story I once heard from uh, Pastor Joachim Lundqvist. And uh, he's a pastor of a church in Sweden, and, and he's telling this story that he was in Stockholm, which is the, the capital of Sweden, and, and he, was, he was out walking one day, and, and he was coming across a bridge, and there was a guy with a TV camera up on the bridge, and as he's crossing the bridge, he said, hey, would you be willing to come over, and can we talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, that, that's fine. And, and the, this, he found out that they were recording, actually, a, a commercial. It was a commercial for an antivirus software app program for cell phones. And so they, they were just kind of like asking different people questions about, about their phones. All right, what, what makes your phone so precious? Why is it so important to you? And, you know, with, with, and obviously the idea was, all right, because your phone is so important, you, you ought to have this antivirus software. You ought to, you ought to protect it in a way. And, and so they, you know, they said, hey, can we ask you a couple questions about your phone? He's like, yeah, that's fine. And, and he starts answering these questions uh, about, you know, how he uses a phone and why it's important to him. And then the guy reaches into his pocket and he pulls out 2,000 euros, which is about 2,500 bucks, U.S. dollars. He says, all right, would you be willing to take your phone and throw it off this bridge into the river right now for these 2,000 euros? And, and he's like, what in the world? Like, what kind of crazy... Stupid question, like, is that? In fact, I actually, I've, I have the commercial. I want to I show it to you um, if you can play the How much is a smartphone actually worth? We've decided to go out and put it to the test. If, if I offered you 500 euros in cash right now, would you erase the contents of your phone? The, the whole thing. Everything. Yeah, to wipe your entire phone no. clean. No. I can't delete everything in my phone. Who's the naked photo of? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's my dad. If I offered you a thousand euros... That's him right there. Would you throw your phone off this bridge? Hmm. Well, that was a 420. Yeah, to throw it off the bridge. Is that real money? All of your contacts, your notes, your emails, all of your banking apps, they're all going to go in there with your phone. Yeah. And you're quite a fascinating point. This is really hard. This is like, should I ask my mom if I should throw my... Yeah, sure, yeah. Just throw it off. Yeah. 2,000 euros. No, I don't He's think processed. so. He's no. processing. Sorry, no. <laughs> really? No. It would be like throwing my baby over it. No. Really? Yeah. You're going to do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Here let's we go. go. And, and the way the way he tells the story that that was him that threw his phone off the bridge into into the river, and and in his mind he like you saw him just kind of like thinking this through for a second, and and he was like all right and this is obviously done a number of years back and he and so he 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 shares his thought process of like, all right, well, if I throw this off, I can go out and I can buy a, a new phone for 500 bucks or 800 bucks or something like that, and I'll just, I'll download everything off the cloud that I had already backed up, and then I can pocket the other $2,000. And so, like, as you saw, he threw it off the bridge, and they gave him the, the 2,000 euros, and that's exactly what he did. He went out, bought a new phone, downloaded everything, and he kept the extra money. But but the, the, the really interesting 
interesting thing about it was they talked with him afterward. He was the only person that took them up on that offer. He was the only one that was willing to throw his phone off the bridge in order in exchange for the 2,000 euros. That everybody else, when they were offered that same thing, said no. He was the only one that took the offer. And, and, and the, the kind of conclusion he gave of this, and it just it has struck me ever since I heard him talk about it, was he said, there were others that were unwilling to let go of what they had even if it meant that they could gain something better on the other end. That they, they, were, they weren't willing to part with that thing. Even though they, they, were, they would have gotten more money, they could have pocketed that money. Down, you know, they could have, but they weren't willing to let go of that thing that they held on to in order to gain something that was more valuable. And we're all like that sometimes, aren't we? Like we're all like that, where, where there's things in our lives that we just want to hold on to, that even if we know there's something better on the other end, it's, it, it's, it's comfort to hold on to this thing. Like we, we have to surrender control. We have to surrender, all right, I, I don't know what's going to happen if I let this thing go. And, and so it becomes easy to hold on to, to grudges and disappointment and, and anger and to bitterness not realizing that if we would just let it go, if we would throw it off the bridge, God, God could introduce something so much better, so much better into our lives, the, the blessing that comes with gratitude and with thanksgiving, just allowing us to experience his, his presence, experience that, that freedom, that emotional and spiritual and relational freedom. And so oftentimes, like having a heart of gratitude means we might have to let go of something else. And it ends up being a trust issue. I know it is, is for me. All right, do I trust God enough in this area? Do I really trust what he has to say? And, and so I want to I close this morning with a final thought about this. And, and it's, it's really easy to hear a, you know, a message like this, something like this, and, and nod our head in agreement and say, yep, that sounds right. And then just to go on with our life with no actual real change or, or difference that's actually been made. I can't tell you the number of sermons that I've listened to or a podcast that I've listened to where I've, I'm in full agreement and then I just keep going on with life. There's not actually been any change whatsoever. And so what I wanna, where I want to end this morning is just with two very, very simple things that I pray will help all of, all of us, myself included, to be able to be people of gratitude, people like my friend Nate, that, that view every day as an incredible gift, as an incredible gift. Because like we, we've all, I'm sure we've all been to either like a birthday party or a Christmas time where usually it's a kid but not always a kid, like they open up a gift and they're either indifferent to it or, or maybe they open up a gift and then they start complaining about it because it wasn't the right one or the one that they really wanted. And the parents are embarrassed and it's just kind of like uncomfortable for everybody. Like we've all, we've all been there. Maybe I've just been there. But, and so, so I, I want to share these two very simple things that, that I pray will help us to become those people of, of gratitude, those people of thanksgiving. Uh, that if we attempt to put these things into practice, that we will be 
that kind of people that, that I think we all desire and endeavor to be. And so that first thing is just praying a simple prayer. Praying, God, would you give me eyes to see the blessings that are all around us? God, would you just give me eyes to see? We've all heard the phrase before, stop and smell the roses. And it's a phrase because it's true. Like how often we walk right past the rose garden without actually stopping to notice, without actually seeing the beauty that's right there. And, and so for a, a whole variety of reasons, often we'll overlook the, those blessings and those incredible good things in, in our lives. Maybe it's because we're too busy, we're too busy to notice, too busy to see, too busy to recognize like what's right there in front of us. And so like we're, we're in our own head where, you know, I got places to go. And so I'm just going to just keep my head down and just keep moving it. And we fail to notice those things that are around us. Or, or sometimes we don't notice because we've become so familiar with things and so accustomed to things that we fail to see what's right there in, on, in front of our noses. I mean, this happens in, in marriage and in relationships all the time, that we get so used to our spouse that, that it becomes easy to take them for granted. It becomes easy to, to uh, forget just what an incredible blessing that our, our spouse is. This, this can happen at, at a job. It, it can happen like it, where, where the, these things that used to be awe-inspiring for us and valuable, we start to lose our appreciation because we've become so familiar with it. Or maybe we've just failed to just notice overall. And, and just that, that simple prayer, God, give me eyes to see. Give, give me eyes to see your blessings around me every single day. Help me to see the beauty of what you've given me today. Help me to see and observe the good that's surrounding me. Not to take it for granted, but to truly take the time to notice. And and I think that that can be the first step is that we just say, all right, God, give me the eyes to see. And the next one just kind of piggybacks on that. And it's that if we see something, say something. Like, do you guys remember the signs like after 9-11, they were at, like the airport and the mall and, you know, like the Homeland Security, they put these things out there. Right? If you see something, say something. And the idea was, all right, if something seems a little bit off, if you observe something that seems that, that maybe you're like, oh, all right, something doesn't feel quite right, they want you to, all right, report it to the authorities. Let somebody know. And I, I want to flip that a little bit, but it's this idea of, all right, if we see something good, well, let's say something about it. If we see something that maybe we hadn't noticed before, saying something about it. God, you know, I've, I've prayed, God, open my eyes to, to see the beauty and the good all around me. And when we notice them, let's just actually open up our mouths and say something about it. God, thank you, Lord. God, thank you for, the, for, for, that, for allowing me to experience this, to feel this today. Thank you, God, for this incredible thing that, that I've walked past a thousand times. But today, I took the time just to stop and to notice. Like when we see something, say something. And not just to God, but even like with, with our, 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 fellow, our fellow people around us. Like when we see something good in somebody else's life, when we see a blessing, like how, how incredible would it be you to see something in your coworker and you just to say it? Well, you know what? Thank you for always being, being faithful. Thank you for always being willing to step in and help me out when I need something. Like just how far just that simple word 
can go. Like when God opened my eyes and then when we see it, let's say it. When we see it, let's say it. Expressing gratitude, expressing thanksgiving, not just to God, but to those all around us. And so this morning, moms, we thank you. We thank you. We, we, we are filled with gratitude for what you've done. Like church, thank you. Thank you, church. Thank you for, for loving me and my family and the blessing you've been, not just to me, but to so many other people. Thank you for loving our teenagers, our young people, trying to reduce the cost so they can go and experience God on these retreats this summer. Thank you. God, thank you for just the unmerited favor and grace in our lives. Thank you for just the ability to gather here to talk, to look one another in the eye, to share over, over coffee or, or a donut, whatever it might be. Lord, thank you for the gift of speech, just to be able to connect with one another. Thank you for the gift of a hug, of a kind word. Like, I, I, mean, I mean, like if, if we can train our minds to, to begin thinking of this way, not in an attitude of expectation, all right, I deserve this, I've, I've earned this, but actually of just always having that heart of wonder and gratitude. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what I get to experience all around me, that he's been so good to us. And so that's, that's my prayer for us today, that we would be the kind of people that just, ha- that, that there's something contagious where, where we have that, that heart of gratitude where it not only affects us, but it affects those around us too. There's something beautiful about that. And so if you would, bow your heads, allow me just to, to pray for us this morning as our, as our worship team comes forward. Lord, we, we love you, God, so much, and we are so incredibly appreciative and thankful for you. And Lord, forgive us for the times that, that we've taken you for granted. Forgive us, God, for the, the times where, where, we've, where we've missed it, where we've walked right past and, and we've missed that thing that's right in front of us. Lord, forgive us for the times where, where we ha, have uh, failed to see your blessings in our life. Forgive us for the times where we've noticed it, and God, maybe we've not said it, we've just kept it to ourselves, Lord. We, we want to be the kind of people that just exude that, that, that gratitude and joy and thanksgiving. And Lord, I, I pray that, that you would help us to do that, that you would open our eyes this week to see and to observe the, the incredible beauty all around us, Lord, the, the blessings that, that we get to experience, Lord, that when we see them, Lord, that we wouldn't just hold on to it, but God, that it would be something that, that we verbalize, that we would talk to you, that we would talk to others and, and share. God, just with that, that overflowing, overwhelming heart of gratitude of what it is that you've done for us. So God, give us those eyes to see and give us the words to say to be that church, to be that people that just overflows with hearts of thanksgiving. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. There we go. Good morning, church. Let me start off with this. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her.
Proverbs 30. So, I got a page number. Okay. So in honor of Mother's Day, I felt like I had to talk about mothers, right? It just seems appropriate. So, and while the title of mom, mother, mommy, or ma, as my son likes to call me, is probably the biggest title most of us will hold, it's not the only one. We're also often referred to as heroes, doctors, actors, nurses, um, chefs, laundry queens, all of the above, and probably the biggest one is make everything better in the whole world best person ever, right? Um, but we wear, we, wear, we wear many hats throughout our day, and raising children is not easy. It truly is kingdom work. So I thought about how I could relate this to communion today and bring this message to you. So here are my thoughts. We don't get to pick our moms, right? How many of us have teenagers and we've heard them say, I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> it happens. And even though we choose to be mothers, we don't get to pick our children. There was no manual, there was no instruction book, there was no, this one is going to take everything you have and then some, but they are worth it. There was no note that came with them. And even with all of the challenges of motherhood, we love them unconditionally, we give relentlessly, and we are their biggest cheerleaders. And what I wanna share with you today is that that's the love our Jesus has for us. But he chose us, he chooses us every day to be his sons and his daughters, and our name is already written in the book. He continues to love us, and while we fail him every day, he loves us because we are worthy and you are worthy. We practice an open communion here at Livingstone, so if this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to the table, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for all the mothers out here. We thank you for the relentless way that they love, that they give. We thank you, Father, for the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. We ask for your your hands to be upon the mothers today and 